1: This is episode number 94 with our guest, Alexis Ray. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in, it's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys, thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. How do you go from a life absolutely full of chaos in all its forms, all starting from a very young age, to a life today filled with passion, direction, meaning, and of course, a ray of light? Our guest today has lived to tell it all. Meet Alexis Ray. She was pissed off for five years, depressed for 30, and thought all happy people were faking it. This former self-proclaimed hot mess is an ex-drug addict and dreadfully hopeless person who has turned her life around in every way. With Pippi Longstocking as her childhood inspiration, she sold everything in a yard sale and ran away. She was 26 at the time and her bags had been packed for 20 years. This is a story you do not wanna miss Help me welcome my guest, my friend, Alexis Ray. How are you, Alexis? Hi, Josh, I'm delighted to be here. I'm surprised my chair isn't floating. I'm like so excited. (laughs) Excellent, so good to have you. Um, Thank you. you. You call yourself a former energy vampire among other things. And um, <laughs> while I know what that means in theory, I had to Google it to find the exact definition. And I want to I read what the exact definition, as per Google, is of an energy vampire. Okay. It says, energy vampires are emotionally immature individuals who have the sense that the whole world revolves around them. They're almost incapable of seeing things from another person's perspective it sounds like a narcissist to me um but How do you, the, yeah No, i'm glad you
0: looked that up josh um when you don't have a sense of yourself like i didn't i had gutter level self-esteem um i had you know a, an external world that was beating the crap out of me in one way or another um there's there's nothing you have nothing to give and so all you're you're needy you're needy mm. And I remember people paying me compliments and I would rebuke it just to, just because I was desperate to hear it again. Please tell me again that I'm okay. And, um, it, and it sucked the life out of friends and the, the air out of the room. Um, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be liked. And, and I was none of those things. I, I, I was, but I couldn't see it. You know, there were people around me that were, were like, you know, you're really not as bad as whatever they would say. I couldn't hear it. Um, because so much of my self-esteem was, was missing. And it's almost like you have to have a catcher's mitt to receive these things. And, and mine had been either extracted or was never there. So
1: what, what was the basis for this low self-esteem? What happened? Um, I had a very difficult upbringing. Um, there, there were
0: probably some subconscious things going on, Josh. Um, I was, um, uh, my father tried to suffocate me with a pillow after smacking me so hard, it, it left handprints. Mm. And my mother took me to the hospital after the visit with him. And that was when he admitted he tried to kill me and uh, his girlfriend saved my life. Um, those kind of things register real deep mm. and, and there was no way I knew it, My later in life, father denied it. Mother said, yes, it's true. So there was a lot of back and forth. Uh my mom was actually very insecure. She had, um, been diagnosed as a, a what do they call it? Personality disorder, something like that. Anyway, she was not well and, um, and she married someone who abused me. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of things at play here. Uh, he was uh, a bully and a narcissist and she was mean and upset and hated her life and cursed us kids for being born. Hmm.
1: Let's jump to the current day. I want to paint that picture. Okay. Fill us in on, because I know today you do a lot of good. Um, yeah. You're an author, you're a speaker, you're a coach, a consultant, a podcast host, um, and then a former um, radio host and broadcaster. And I know you and I are going to compare notes in a little while. We both come from the entertainment industry. Right. So you dabbled in that. So there's a lot to connect. But today, how do you... How do you define what you do? Who do you serve? What are you about? Oh, thanks for asking that, Josh. I am about
0: propping people up. I'm like a, a cheerleader, but I can't do a split. I got a heck of a pair of pom-poms back here. And, I, and I'm happy to just like, woo! I love to, to acknowledge and, and uplift others in their business, in the line of business. I happen to have a knack for uh, headlines, taglines, messaging. And um, uh, because I love broadcasting, it's, it's an efficient way to get a message out. Um, it parlays perfectly in the role of a podcast guest coach. Um, so I absolutely enjoy turning people onto uh, productizing their knowledge and monetizing their appearance as as the podcasting world grows and grows and grows and grows. Mm. Uh, it's it's
1: exciting to me. And I know one of your programs is about um, be your own guru. Tell me about that. What is that? <laughs> yes. So after uh,
0: thirty or forty years of being really. Sad and depressed, Um, and I don't want it to take that long for other people. I don't want it to take the rest of your life to have the best of your life. Been
1: there,
0: right? It it shouldn't, and it and it took so dang long. And I thought I'd never ever get out of that dark hole I lived in, Um, and the hole that was in my soul. I mean, literally, like clutching my stomach. It was a terrible feeling. And so what I realized is I've, I've come to distill down. Some 30 or 40 years of study, personal growth, development, spirituality, metaphysics, you name it, I was hungry for it. And I've distilled it down into a dozen or so pithy one-liners, and these will get you through a a moment, a day, a crisis, they are mindset resets, and they work like that. And I I think it's just like, it's a crash course, and almost like a referral list that you can look at, okay, this just happened, how do I look at this? Because perspective is everything. And being able to shift that perspective is, is like going from, you know, a Fred Flintstone car to a, a six-gear Ferrari. Let's go. Yeah.
1: I love that. What is your formula for change? Well, um, I, I, it's three A's and a C. <laughs> uh, the first is,
0: is that um, through awareness, because if you're not aware of something, it, you, you can't fix it, right? Um, uh, through awareness and then acceptance, so if something in the past or someone in the past hurt me, I may never, ever get to forgiveness. I may not forgive them, but I can accept what happened. If I can accept that, I can move forward. And that is action. So awareness, acceptance, and action equals change. And if, and that, if, you know,
1: and if that's the results aren't what you want, then you adjust. Okay, and that's something you've implemented in your life.
0: Yes, Josh. And the way, and this is vital. This is the first step. Step number one is, and I did this spontaneously and it was, I simply took a journal. I wrote at the top of the page, I believe dot, dot, dot. And for, I don't know, four months, I wrote every freaking thought I had. I didn't know where they came from. I couldn't judge them, I didn't let anybody read it. But what I found, Josh, is that there were things buried in there, ideas, concepts that I had adopted that were like, they were meant to protect me back in the day. And 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 then I realized, hey, you guys are outdated and you're kind of like old guard and I need to gently fire you. Cause you no longer apply, but there's still work and overtime, you know, like I had this belief, Josh, that uh, all businessmen are spiritually shallow. That probably came from watching my dad. Mm. And, um, and because I was on a spiritual path that kept me from going anywhere near being a business owner. Right because I wasn't going to be spiritually shallow. So it was really limiting my progress. And I was spinning my wheels. and, And then came the time I interviewed a bunch of CEOs and I realized they were very spiritual people. So I had to, you know, cross that one off.
1: I get this whole, yeah, I get this whole um, story that we sell ourselves from a very early age. I sold myself a false story about me personally, that I was not valuable. Nobody cared what I had to say. Nobody wanted me around. And you know, all the residual lines that come with that. And I perpetuated that in my head. And guess what happens when you do that? You find the people in an Around you that are all too happy to say, okay, I'll help you perpetuate that story. And they do. And that's who showed up in my life. Those kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. I had an
0: opposite experience where my home life was, was like that. And I manifested friends that were very loving and I wore them out. I wore them out like a freaking washcloth and they quit me. Tell me what that means. How did that happen? What did it look like? What that looked like is I had a, 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 dear best friend, and I was hanging on to her coattails like, for God's sakes, carry me with you through life, please, because I don't think I can make it, and uh, she was a promising author and a speaker, and she was doing all kinds of things, and I was so desperate that I, I, everything that she did, I just clung to, and, she, and, and there were many times, well, several times, let's just put it that way, where I attempted suicide, cry mm-hmm. for help, because if a person really wants to die, they will, um, or it'll happen. If it's your time, you're going to go, period. I don't care. You can walk outside and pick up the mail and it's your time. Done. Wow. You know, but in this case, I was a very, very distraught young lady and I hung on to her like she was my life. And she said, I can't do this anymore. And she quit me. And I thought that I could hide it. I'm never very good at hiding my feelings, how it feels right here. And people looked at me and said, you look like you just lost your best friend. And I said, yeah, she just quit me. Hmm. She's and i was devastated i was like there there it is i i nobody nobody loves me so there was that yeah. part but but she i mean she, god bless her she hung in so long so many years i, I know that,
1: that. yeah I know the theory of um, you know being um, in, in a desperate situation of seeking approval and wanting others to like you been there for the years yes. and, and you show up with that air and secondly, yes. I was showing up in that in those regards and I'm sure you could relate to where I was desperately looking for others to grant me the permission that I thought I needed from an outsider to do what I knew I was capable of, what I so desperately wanted to do. But for some reason, I wouldn't just take, make the decision myself and take that step. I needed either a colleague or even a stranger to say, yeah, you could do that. Go ahead and do that. Never came. So I never did it. And I'm the opposite of you,
0: Josh. I had people saying, girl, you got the world by the tail. It's your oyster, everything ahead of you. And I was just like, really? Can you freaking help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do with myself? First of all, I don't believe you. Could you say it again, please? Or I'd be, I really would. I would deny compliments all the time because I was desperate to hear somebody that would love me in all my ugliness, in all the worst moments of rage and despair and, and, and a heap on the floor. Um, and, and they would, and, and I would push them away. Because I wasn't ready to accept it. I don't know what it sounded like to be loved. I don't know what the deal was. I had people say, you know, you've got everything available to you. Now, of course, I also had my father, my real father in the background saying, you use bad judgment. I had my mother saying, from the time, my birthday, my 13th birthday, you're going to turn into a selfish, self-centered little bitch. And that was Mm. how she treated me. Mm. Uh, um, uh, Yeah. So from that moment on, no matter what I did, I was damned if I do and damned if I don't. I couldn't make a decision in my favor because then I was selfish. Like, if I didn't make a decision, then I was, then I was fickle. I mean, it was, it was just like, just shoot me, please.
1: Wow. Because, yeah, it was a real stymie. So I want to hear how you, how you got to this brilliant ray of light place today. So let's connect those dots. Take us back from the very beginning. What was life really like from, from a young child as Alexis growing up? I have
0: pictures of me when I was really still a happy kid and I knew that there was a moment that my mom cared about me. Um, and I, that's the one photo I have. I've lost all the family albums. It's the one picture I have and I, and I see it every day. Mm. Uh, And yeah, it reminds me that there were good times and I still remember those. Um, what happened though, um, as life went on is that, uh, her marriage to my stepfather was, was really a bad idea. And, um, I, uh, felt like I was in the way. In fact, they made me feel that I was in the way. Uh, if it wasn't for you, goddamn kids, you know, I would hear lots of things like that. Um, and my first cry for help, Josh, was overdosing on baby aspirin. And I took a lot of them. What and, age was this? Yeah, I was about eight years old. Really? Yeah. Um, what were so you crying for? I... Really felt like I should not be there. And they made it. I mean, when if, if ever, if, you know, when you give a kid any wish you want, what do you Mine was to be invisible. Hmm. Because that was how I felt like I was always in the way, unless I was serving the need of taking care of my little brothers who were born. The twins were born when I was seven. So I, I was a year into being mini mom. Mm. um but there was still i mean i would get home from school and if anybody said you know like oh your glasses are funny um and i was looking for sympathy i would get bullied uh let me see some really big alligator tears let's see you really cry um mm. i was absolutely tormented by my stepfather and absolutely no defense from my mother mm.
1: um,
0: i And then if I cried about it, then I was in trouble for that. I mean, Mm. so what happens is when you can't express how you really feel, you turn it in on yourself and it becomes self-loathing and self-hatred of a magnificent value. That's all you have. You can't turn it out anywhere else. And so it turns on you because narcissistic parents and bullies will make you feel that it's your fault for their being unhappy. And that's what happened to me. Mm. Yeah. So So, no doubt
1: by eight years old, I was already like, I wish I was dead. Tell me the other side of that incident. So you make it through the aspirin incident and now life is going on for you. What happens then? So what had happened was I would pack my
0: bags and I remembered the aspirin incident where they said, just go to bed through the bedroom door. They didn't give a shit really, frankly, Mm. sorry, but they didn't. Um, And I thought, well, if I run away, then I'm just gonna be in trouble for that once I finally come home. Uh, So I set my sights. On some day, and I would read Pippi Longstocking and other stories of adventure, and I was like, "Dear God, help me get out of here! I don't know how this is going to happen, but I knew the what. I knew I wanted adventure somehow." And uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, I cheated my way through high school half the time. In senior high school, I I I just was desperate not to get in trouble for grades. At least I could cover my ass on that, you know, that I wouldn't be, you know, straight A's. What no matter what it took, I cheated. And when I ended up, when I got to college, I wasn't ready for it. I studied pre-med because I loved chiropractic and I failed, epic fail. I ended up making better Rice Krispie treats than grades. And I ended up going to culinary school at Johnson and Wales in Rhode Island where my real dad said, come on, I got time to be a dad. And in that first trimester, I said, dad, I should be in film school. I don't like this at all. This is awful. He's like, you'll always have work. I said, have you ever worked on a hotline, dad? have you ever worked in food service? It's awful. I want to be in film and television. I'm I'm drawn to media. He's like, you will finish. And so I did.
1: Four years and three, I couldn't get out fast enough. So you, I know you and I have compared notes on this before. So you had your eyes set on film and media. I have my own reasons why I went into that direction. Why, do you, why did you go into that industry? Initially, that's a great question, Josh. Initially, and I, I
0: I didn't realize why at the time, and this is never. really
1: important. Of course, yeah.
0: um, I, I realized later that it was exactly like my family, that it was yes, it was criticism. Uh, be perfect. Try harder. You'll never be good enough. True. A couple of us might love you, but we're not going to tell you. Um, you're only as good as your last performance. What did you do for us today? You know, like I mean, it was just like so familiar to my childhood, and I, but I loved it because. In the training that I had, acting is the art of being real. Otherwise, you're acting. That was what I learned from the director. And and I love that. And I love behind-the-scenes stuff. I love production. I love how things are made. And, and I was intrigued by it. And I wanted to shoot documentaries, real life. I don't want to be somebody's puppet on a string. And uh, so I was really drawn. I also like that it's efficient. You know, multimedia is an efficient way to get a message out. And I knew that someday, somehow, some way there was gonna be some some reason. And I don't even know how I knew that. How does any of us know what, what is our path? It just shows up. It tells us, you know, it draws us.
1: So in this era of your life, now you're you're sort of on your own, you're you're living a dream, you're making things work. Was there at least a sense of relief from when you were under your parents' roof? No. I would come
0: home from school, and there was uh, there would be fear running from my tailbone up through my head every single day. And if you've never felt that cut that sense of fear, uh, it's hard to understand. It's hard to describe. But I never knew what what page of wacko I was going to walk
1: into. <laughs> what page of wacko? Um, I was going to say, what were you fear? What were you afraid of?
0: Who oh, knew? Yeah. yeah, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. Wow. And I um, I couldn't stand it anymore. I, I wrote a note because I was a good kid, you know, I was like, dear mom, I'm going to go stay with Barb and her mom. Her mom says it's okay. I mean, I left a note about, I'm going to go stay over here for three months so I can at least finish high school with the people that I've been going to elementary school with. And I, I went to Barb's house and her mom said, sure, no problem. And uh, within a day, my mother had Dobermans and the sheriff at the door and said, you're you are coming with me or you're going to juvie. Uh, she pulled me out the next day. I was forced. She said, you can, you're going to your father's house. I said, does he even know I'm coming? Uh, no, it doesn't matter. And you'll leave with the clothes you have on your back.
1: Hmm.
0: And so I had a pair of overalls that I made in home ec, and I piled a bunch of outfits on underneath it. And I wore my overalls and I got dropped off on my dad's doorstep, uh, to attend the last three months of my high school years at a school that was very snotty and very snooty and very rich and i wore my brother's clothes to make it and my dad he just had to deal with it my mother he divorced her when i was 2 for a reason <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and was- i was a product of her you know her stuff so he had a hard time with me
1: behind closed doors in your isolated space whenever and wherever you found that how did, you, how did you talk to yourself of the future? Did you say, hey, I'm, I'm just gonna leave this behind in X number of years and this will all be, like, did you see, you still saw the green pastures at some point, you said, I just gotta get through this. How did you survive mentally?
0: No, honestly, that's a great question, Josh. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, I don't know how I got through, honestly. It was probably going to concerts, getting high and having some good friends. Because that balanced out. Even though I caught a bunch of flack once I got home, it, mm. at least it balanced out and made me feel like somewhat normal. Going to shows, music was always my thing. Um, but there was, I don't know how I didn't give up. Those stories of, of uh, traveling nurses uh, kept me alive. Like there was a series called Cherry Ames, Traveling Nurse, Cherry Ames, such and so nurse. And I thought, well, in this era, by the way, this is when a woman uh, still could become a secretary, a nurse. Or, or join the service, and so I was gunning for the service because I wanted to get the hell away from wherever I was at, and so that hope kept me going that somehow, some way, someday there'll be a, another some. I don't care what it is,
1: I've got to get out of here. I just didn't know how. I just knew the what. You know, so was your first outlet um, going west and entering the entertainment industry? Not at all.
0: No. No. No, I graduated culinary school and uh, I was so excited. I was playing like white snake. Here I go again on my own. And my little brother's like, you go, sis. My Jimmy Buffett lifestyle, working as a chef on a yacht. I had no idea when that yacht hit high water open water that I was going to be the seasick chef. It was horrible. Oh my God. Like I was freshman of the year. I couldn't believe I won accolades. I couldn't even hold a knife the year I started culinary, but, uh, uh, yeah, I I ended up doing very well. I enjoy high end food. Food is art. I love it. And so I got this job on a yacht that I'd once been a guest. We hit the open seas, sick as a dog. The, the, it turned out that I was working for the, as they called him, the asshole of the seas. Uh, um, yeah. On a 92-foot private yacht that felt like a floating prison. Wow. So, yeah, there went that. Um, I bailed out of that and then ended up back in Florida working for Marriott, which I said I would never do. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. corporate? Uh
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. And um, then, and- yeah. That was when I decided, I heard one of my uh, chums from from culinary had uh, taken a job in Alaska and I got a bit of travel envy. And I said, I'm out. I'm doing it. And I learned early on from an experience in Rhode Island, don't tell people everything. So, because um, they'll talk you out of it. They will. I was, I was wanting to work for the John Denver Foundation. I was like, I'm going to work for World Peace up in Colorado. I wanted to see mountains, you know. And they are like, you can't do that. You'll die. You don't have a job. Na-na-na. And I tr- tossed that ticket in the trash. Oh, you believed it. Yeah. I did. I did. Uh, so the next time that happened, Josh, I, st- I, I, to- I said, look, I'm going, to, um, uh, I'm going to California where there's a lot of restaurants and I have a lot of relatives. And two out of three were true. There are a lot of restaurants and I do have relatives, but I was going to Alaska and I just knew it was better. Mm-hmm, I just knew it was better. Just kind of mm-hmm, on wow. that
1: one. And wow. then, uh, off I went. So then, how did your time uh, as a performer begin? Oh, that, that was fun.
0: Um, When I uh, finally got through the Alaskan Adventure, I landed in Seattle, and uh, I went directly to PBS, and I talked my way into this gig, and and I learned that, uh, and I was an editor for a film, Um, that they had done all over the world. It was really great. But what I learned is PBS is always begging for money. If they can ever do their next job, they always hope, hope, hope. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm not doing this. I ended up on the set of Bill Nye, the science guy, uh, as a production assistant. And uh, at the time, Bill and, and his wife and, and and two of us were shooting in a tiny little apartment room above traffic, and we'd have to wait till the traffic went by for the sound to be able to roll tape again and uh, and make the show happen. It was fascinating. And then I ended up as a chef on Northern Exposure, so I got exposure. <laughs> yeah, it was just filmed in Kent, Washington. What a great show. Um, uh, and so I got my taste of production. I, I literally just... I, I just applied for things. I mean, Craigslist was the deal back then. And I know how to put words together. And I would apply for these jobs and, and be a production assistant or makeup or wardrobe or chef. I didn't care. I just wanted to hear back to one, people, or that's a wrap. I, it, and I don't know what drew me to do it, but I, I had to. And then there was a search for answers. And I, so I created my first cable TV show of interviews um, called Living Dreams. And I wanted to know, how in the heck do you know what to do with your life? and that was you know, community access, cable, free TV, and that started my passion and love of interviewing, and it has never stopped.
1: What did we learn? That's a fascinating question. How the heck do you know what to do with your life? So many of us are asking that, have asked that, will ask that again. What is the answer? Well, Josh, I'm <laughs> glad you asked. <laughs> Um, what I learned
0: from the CEOs I said how in the heck did you figure out what to do and what to do every day and they now this is back when it wasn't cool to say intuition or whatever and they were like um well and they hedged a lot it's a feeling uh-huh what's it feel like because I got a lot of feelings you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which one am I supposed to yeah. listen to could you please help me sort this out and uh they said well it's a feeling that something's right and 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 it may defy logic to other people and they're really like nervous talking to me and I said, please tell me some more. And they said, well, it's kind of like a big yes inside. I said, a big yes. And they said, Yeah. You know how when you're looking for a parking spot and and you know Good the, analogy. The, you find it, it leads you to it's a yes. It's that thing inside. It's a yes. And and I so I, all the different words that they used, I just summed it up as the big yes. And that was the name of my next talk show, The Big Yes.
1: And I I'm interviewed
0: sorry. people that were living their big yes.
1: I find that um, it, it's almost the two steps because somebody listening or somebody uh, on this path could acknowledge that and say, yeah, that's how I know I'm on the right path or if and when I'll be on the right path. But then it's a whole other thing to step into that path. It really is. Yeah. No, you've got a great point there. And, and so when your brain is just filled with chaos,
0: it's very hard to sift out the noise. It really is. It's and, and especially if you've had the uh, self esteem crap kicked out of you. Um, you don't even trust your voice. And that was a process. It wasn't like overnight. I was just like, Oh, okay, I know exactly what to do. Because I didn't.
1: Hmm. Didn't
0: and, and I thought, well wow, maybe I'm just like doomed to the life of an explorer. Maybe Pippi Longstocking and I were drawn together for a reason because I'll always be an adventurer, always always beginner level, always, you know, the new kid on the whatever block and and i and maybe that's just my path maybe i'm just supposed to be like that there'll be no specialty maybe it's just exploration i don't know all i know josh is that if i don't listen to that still small voice which can still be a small voice i regret it and i believe that underneath it all guys and if you're listening and you and you're like you know just filled with chaos in your head and your heart and your ears there's going to be that is it it's 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 a knowingness it's a small But if you take a baby step in that direction, another baby step will feel right and you'll be guided. You'll be divinely guided and protected. You've made it this far. You're still fog in the mirror. There's a reason you're here. Trust the voice. It will lead you. And it really really will
1: turn out to be a big yes. I agree completely. In fact, I've lived all of that. You know, oh. for for 40 plus years, I was, I was resisting all of my power and ability, all the yeses that were coming up. I wasn't even confused. It wasn't like, oh, I don't know what to do. I, I knew exactly what to do, but I was scared out of my mind to do any of it. So I made <laughs> up every excuse. I kept perpetuating that false story. I wow. kept hiding behind and allowing others to give me the reason why I shouldn't, couldn't, or wouldn't do it. And life moved on. And then behind closed doors- Why did you do that? Did you have parents <laughs> that were knocking the yes out of you? Well, of course. And I allowed that to happen. And I showed up for everybody to knock the yes out of me. Wow, so I, <clears throat> I had that. But the the whole struggle was that behind closed doors- when I was alone, I then realized, you know what I am? Why? why? And then it, it would cause all this anger and resistance and frustration because I knew what I was capable of. I knew what I wanted to do, what I should be doing, what I could be doing. But I wasn't doing because I couldn't, I couldn't neglect this story that I perpetuated. I certainly couldn't step out of this persona that I allowed right. others to label me and define me as. So, oh okay, I guess I just got to keep doing this and oh, it's miserable. It is. And, and you wonder who in the hell am I, who am I going to be next? Who am I going to be? I was
0: I was so angry for so long and I, that was my identity. And I know you can understand. Go yes. ahead. And you, and you have to, guys, for just a second, it's kind of like you're holding a vase and that's who you are and you have to set it down and, and there's a moment in between where the big urn is and you're heading towards it, but there's this moment, there's this void. Stay with it because you have, I mean, earth shattering identity crisis three times. I couldn't have told you how to cross the street. I didn't know anything. I mean, Mm. everything was gone. It was spiritual. I don't know, something, something, (laughs) something happened, but there's an identity that we attach to. And it's like, Oh my God, who am I going to be? If I don't, if I don't act like this, who am I going to be otherwise? You know, Uh, there's, there's a reward for being depressed, um, suicidal, uh, needy. There's, and I don't mean rewards. I mean that there's a, there's a feedback, there's a system that happens and that's your life. And you know that life. I've been in homeless shelters. I've slept behind a sofa and called that bed. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I didn't necessarily want that for myself. And crazy as it sounds, it was a big yes at the time, which is really wacko, but that's another story.
1: Um, tell, me about, tell me about, speaking of identity, yes. uh, tell me about the name change. How and when and why? Man,
0: now, now, when I was little, uh, so my birth name on birth certificate is Lori. And I would change my name on papers in school. And I would say, Lorinda, I wanna be Lorinda. (laughs) That's, you know, so so my family name at home, because my mother's name was Lori too, was Sissy. And the only time I heard Lori was when I was in trouble. And it was said with so much hatred. And and I just like I don't want to be that. That's not who I am. And I would change it to Cindy. And the teachers would turn the paper and they're like, that's not your name. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Don't worry, leave me alone. Well, um, in the course of doing the big yes interviews, I went to visit Dr. Lee Pulos, a parapsychologist at the time, which was really weird to people. He was doing what visualization and making people heal from cancer, and he's wow, he's kind of different. Well, he was amazing, and I was interviewing him in his place, and he said, I want to show you something called muscle testing. I, kinesiology was the word he used, and he said, uh, that, that means that your body won't lie. It'll tell me the truth about, or tell you the truth about anything, and I was like, I'm game. Let's go for it, and he said, stick out your arm. We're going to test some normal things that you test for a yes or a no that are truth, so I know what, what, it, what the, the measure is, yeah. right? I stuck out my arm. And he said, say your name. And I said my name and my arm fell like a noodle. I couldn't resist him to save my life, Josh. My arm fell. And I was like, hang on, hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's my name. That's a truth. That's my name. It's on a birth certificate. And he said, no, apparently it's not. Let's try it again. Mm. I said, okay. I stuck out my arm and he did two fingers, a little pressure, boom. I couldn't resist him ever at all. And I kind of recalled and I was like, what the hell? And he's like, apparently that's not your name. I was like, this makes no sense at all, but I'll still have you on my show, but you're gonna be a call in. <laughs> you know, I don't want you, I don't want to be around you. I was scared of him. Well, it wasn't uh, I don't know how much longer, a year later, maybe. Uh it was August. Uh my birthday had passed in June, and I was like, Oh, uh, I was thirty or thirty-one, which is a special era in our lives I didn't know at the time. And I was so disappointed that I hadn't heard from my parents. Uh, once again, um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, wow. birthday passes and, and I was, I was babysitting and the, 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 thank God the toddler was inside in the house, far in the house. I was out the back of the fire pit and I, I was crying and I was like, I'm so sick of this. And I remember a story about a brother and sister who were awarded a divorce from their parents who were proven to be abusive and horrible people. And this was a landmark case. And that stuck in my head. And then I remembered a, a chapter of a book in which the aborigines, this woman is American, ended up with them. And she's like, hey, this is so cool. They change their name according to the gift they bring to the tribe. And I was like, "What? what? so if you're really good, Josh, let's say hunting, you would, you would call yourself hunter. Mm. That's your name. That's your gift you bring to the tribe. And let's say later in life, you feel like you're a great hunter and they'll celebrate and probably dance around a fire and and say, "Uh, uh, your new name is Great Hunter and later maybe seamstress. It doesn't matter. It keeps going. They don't care. Whatever gift you bring to the tribe is your name. And I remembered other metaphysical readings in which they said, your name is is it matters, and so all these things are sifting down. Oh, so was Dynasty, the show Dynasty at the time, and I'll tell you why that matters. <laughs> um, so I'm all these things sift in, and I was, like, I'm crying, you know, and I'm like, I think I'll, I'll I'll divorce my family, and I write out this divorce decree. I hereby divorce myself from my family, and I was like, well, what do people do now? And I'm like, well, they burn shit. So I threw it in the fire pit. <laughs> and I'm watching it burn, and I'm really grateful the toddler's still asleep because the, baby's in the uh, babysitter's in the backyard, you know, crying and burning stuff. And, and, I, and I watched the edges curl, and I, and I didn't feel any better. And I thought, well, now what do I do? This, does, this didn't cure everything. I thought it would. Mm. And then I remembered the stories, the aborigines, the uh, you know, all the different stories. I didn't think about Dr. Pulos and the arm thing. That wasn't in my mind. And I remembered that um, with the metaphysical studies that ray is information, light, enlighten. is information. And as messed up as I was at that time, I had a feeling that I was supposed to be a beacon of light and information. And it was a real far reach, Josh. Let me tell you, it's almost presumptuous or precocious for me to have thought that. It didn't fit at all. I was trying so hard to be a happy person, but it wasn't there yet. And, and so I thought, well, you know, I've always hated my last name. People mess it up. It was Gist, and I would have to spell it G-I-S like in Sam T, Gist, like the gist of the story. I had a Brownie troop leader who said, I'm calling you Gish. I said, wait, wait, why? Because yeah. <laughs> I like the actress, Lillian Gish, and that's what I'm going to remember you by. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm seven. Why can't you please work with me on this?
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: It was the worst name on the phone and I hated it. I knew I'm still a bottom line person because if you pronounce it gist, like the gist of the story, it's still who I am and that doesn't go away. But Mm. anyhow, I thought, well, Ray, R-A-Y, yeah, that'd be easy. Nobody's going to mess that one up, right? Mm. And then I thought of, I said, if I ever had a daughter, I would have named her Alexis. And... I didn't know why I was drawn to the name and dynasty was popular, but it had finally faded away. So Alexis Carrington didn't have that bad of a, you know, vibe, but still meaning, uh, the meaning behind things really has always mattered. So I went in the house, baby's still asleep, grabbed the dictionary. There was no internet yet guys. And I looked up Alexis and it came from Alexander the great and it means helper of mankind. And I thought, Hmm. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to call myself Alexis Ray and I'm going to sign it a dot Ray. And I'll always think of light because even if the rest of the world doesn't want to reflect who I am, at least I can remind myself that wow. this is who I am and the name I want to at least grow into
1: somehow. Wow. And uh, yeah, I went about and changed it. That's beautiful. Certainly you've grown into it and the <laughs> world is reflecting that back pun intended, right? <laughs> yes. I want to talk about um, a couple of things. Um, if if you don't mind, I want to get a little more personal for a minute. You have you have no children, Mm-mm. right? And were you ever married? Yes, actually, I, I did.
0: I, I married an Aussie at age forty-seven, and on our honeymoon, I started to f- feel the effects of domestic violence, mm. and. Um, Within five days, our marriage went to hell in a handbasket. So yeah.
1: Mm. What about the um, what about the children route? Was that a was that a deliberate choice? Was it just life circumstances choice? How do you how do you look back on all that? Um, I I decided that I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have a child unless I
0: wasn't going to unless I would undid everything my mother did. I didn't want to become my mother to a child, and I didn't know if that would ever undo itself. Um, there were several times in my life when I've been pregnant. Um, but I, uh, the circumstances weren't right, wow. um, and I said, no, nope, you got to go, and literally willed it away. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can do that. Uh, so I just decided, okay, if it's not this time, then I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I know that I want to be responsible as, as a parent would be responsible, and maybe it's not this time, and I'm okay with that. It makes me available for other kids and other opportunities and on a bigger scale, so uh, and there's so many kids if i were going if i were in a marriage like a real like we love each other for real and we're not beating each other up kind of relationship wow. yeah. i would have adopted because there are that many children out there in the world that that are still already here who need
1: love so we heard, we heard um, where you were, what your upbringing in life was yeah. circumstantially, how you survived all of that. Now you're here today. Yeah. Um, tell us about the, the gradual shift and change to this point. Was it the name change that started putting you on the better path? What was in place? How did all that unfold? I started putting myself on a better path um, when, when my mother
0: um, put Jonathan Livingston Siegel in my hands and I was 21. I hadn't seen her since she kicked me out at 15 and I saw her for a visit and that book changed my life and it showed me that there are new things, new possibilities, um, a, a different way that, that, that your past doesn't have to equal your future. And so really, it started back then, Josh, and it, and it preceded the, the stumbling, literally stumbling over a cassette tape that was an Anthony Robbins cassette tape, and, and literally stumbling. It. Yeah. It's somebody's house, and it was a really weird scenario that I ended up there. But okay. Or right. is it? Right. 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 Mm. And I said, okay. uh, I was so grateful. I said, whoever listens when we say these things, I was like, someday I want to help as many people. No, scratch that. I want to help more people than Tony Robbins has because I'm so grateful that I don't have to live the rest of my life as doom and gloom Deborah, you know, Mm. (laughs) Debbie Downer. Um, And so it has been a process and a progress of, uh, and it
1: continues to be. I still have, gosh, you know, there's still these moments where, ah. So what was then, um, what kinds of things did you implement? Did you put in place? Did you replace? Did you do to get where you are today? I went through some forms of therapy. I had a
0: a couple of good therapists. Um, for the first time in my life, I felt heard and it's Mm. probably why I'm in the business of recognition, Josh. I love that. Honestly, it, 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 it transformed me. And I became that person for others, like a, a confidant. I became a confidant for others who, who thought they needed to, I don't know, change their sex or, or whatever it was to be accepted to wear women's clothes. It was a guy. I get it. You know, I became a very accepting person. And so much of that be- because I wasn't. Everything I was was just, you know, despised and cursed Mm. in my upbringing. And so I became the polar opposite. That was my first move out, Josh. Anything that I saw was being done, I'm going to do the opposite. And I realized it was an extreme of the pendulum, but all I knew was, I don't want this. And sometimes all you know is what you don't want. And that has value. That has a lot of value. You may not know what you do want, but knowing what you don't want more of has just as much value. It's a
1: starting point.
0: Yes, yes. And taking that inventory, the I believe inventory, holy crap. When I realized how much was in there that wasn't serving me anymore. And that, then there was the power of beliefs and I could, I could, I could adopt something else new and, and, and literally remake myself from the inside out.
1: Wow. Mm. That was, wow. That was I, awesome. I love the idea how you, how you put it that um, you were finally um, being heard and that's why you're in the business of recognition and really on such a fundamental human level, isn't that all we are after moment to moment, day to day? Isn't that it, like if you can go about your business knowing that that's what you want, that's what others want, there could be such beautiful connections and relationships. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, yeah. So the, the, whole, the whole basis of my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, of course, was founded on the idea that I was hiding in utter fear, hiding all of my power and ability in exchange mm-hmm. for perpetuating that label and that story. Tell us about a time in your life, perhaps recently, perhaps not your choice, when you were in utter fear Hiding, but you knew you had to work through that and you got through that. Wow. Wow. I don't, um, gee,
0: that would have been a long time ago, a long time ago. Um, I think I, you just floored me with that question. Um, in utter fear that, that level of fear was was I left that behind when when I got out of my mom's house, or she helped me get out? Um, that that hasn't been the case in a very long time. But ah, oh, I could tell you a time. <laughs> yeah, I would I would have found myself in an alley. <laughs> okay, so I had my dark. Doc- I had some moments where I've uh, I've been part of the uh, the street life, and um, yeah, and it wasn't a bad thing. Uh, um, <laughs> but I would run across or run into some, what felt like pretty, pretty um, treacherous people and, and moments. And, and it mattered because I'd be by myself. It mattered how I came out, how, how I showed up It mattered. Um, And I don't know if, you know, this is kind of what you're going for, but I I think these moments where I was able to um, pretty much, you know, downshift a lot and, and, You know, like I'd run into a bunch of Mexicans and they'd they'd be like, hey, you know, kind of threatening. And I'd just be like, como se dice, what the fuck in Espanol? And they'd be like, ay, guapa. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know what that means, Josh can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I would disarm them with humor. And that wasn't not being myself, but I sure as hell wasn't showing the fearful girl in an alley against six guys. And I never, ever got in, into any problems. It was those moments of being able to adapt, swoop, switch, right there, be right there with them. And I don't have any judgment on people, so I didn't, I didn't respond to their, oh,
1: threatening. I'm not doing it. Wow. It wasn't always like that though. Looking back on where, you, where you've come from today, is there, is, is there or was there a, um, a level of shame that you had to work through?
0: What I heard from someone was, it was guilt that I was carrying and I, and I didn't understand that because I, tr- I was trying so freaking hard, Josh. I just wanted my mom to love me and what, you know, it was always be perfect, try harder. You're never going to make it. You're never going to be good enough. You might win some moments of love, but oh, now you fucked up again. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, punish you some more for some uh, unspoken rule that you broke. Wow. I mean, it was just, fuck, yeah. y- you know? So I didn't have shame over that, but I was made to feel guilty for everything. I was blamed for everything. Uh, If I did feel shame, it was later because when my stepfather molested me, I thought that's how you were supposed to be. And I was that way inappropriately in other situations in life. So there was some of that, but honestly, it wasn't a lot. Um, I, I, you know, I, just because I I wasn't accepted for who I was, there was definitely just the very being that I am is not okay. And, you know, it was like wrong to be alive. That's what I've had to come through.
1: What are your, what are your friendships or your personal relationships like today? Um, I, uh, I have wonderful
0: friends. I have long-term friends. Um, I've had long-term friends recently just Mm -hmm. disappear, like quit. And I, I, I guess you know when they start saying that poem. Oh, there's a reason and a season. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're gonna reason and season me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Acceptance is the key to peace. You know, I accept it for what it is. Um, I there are people around, uh, but mostly I'm so independent, Josh. I've gone to concerts and I've lived my life and I've been just by, by myself. But I always have somebody really close, and I have a couple of those people right now that I girlfriends that I absolutely adore, and mm. the feelings mutual.
1: Looking back on a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you have with that person? It would have gone a different way recently if you'd asked me that
0: a year ago. A year ago, I would have said, um, you're not as bad as you're made out to feel. Hang in there. It'll be okay. Okay. Um, But now what I would say is all of this was, was designed even before you were born, all of this was designed for your soul's growth and the players that are part of this stage show are to be freaking congratulated. Thank you, you did an amazing job, mom. You were such a bitch. (laughs) You were so horrible. And I managed to come back around and really build up strong and rebalance whatever the heck my soul decided to do this time because it needed to. And I accept all of it. And that's true freedom.
1: Gosh, that's so amazing and beautiful and brilliant. And yes, yes, you accept all of it. That's the goal. I, I spent so long resisting all of it. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, you know, I, I, I have forgiven people, which, you know, that's all, that's all part of it, too. You have to come to a genuine place of forgiveness for no matter what people did. You're not forgiving them for what they did. You're forgiving you to move on, all that stuff, right? Right.
0: Yes and no, Josh. I mean, when you really, really get to the point where you realize it was all sort of an orchestrated dance before you put on a pair of pants in this lifetime, um, is that there's not even a reason to forgive. You're Go actually, there, there's no wrong done. And I know that's a really hard concept. Wow. Go ahead. And it'll make some people mad. And I know Go it ahead. made me mad too. It made me really mad. To think that. And I look around at me and I think, you know, people were saying like, oh, your parents did the best they could. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. There's no way you can say that that's the best you can do when you're abusing a child. There's no way that's okay. So don't say that to me. Don't, don't you ever say that to a person? They did the best they could. No, they did what they did. It is what it is and it is what it ain't. So let's just move on from there because there's no comfort in those words at all. Guys, if you don't know what to say, then say nothing, because that's not comforting. But what, what but I move forward from that is, is it's really hard sometimes for me to know, like, how could that possibly be what a soul came to experience? But if I look at it that way, if I really look at it that way, I feel badly for my mom. I feel badly for my dad. I, I see what the, what their struggles were, but this is a different kind. I'm not taking care of them anymore. I'm not making excuses for them anymore. It's completely different. And I look at every single person around me and say, okay, they're on a trip and I don't understand what it is. I had a friend call me once Josh and she was ready to kill herself. And I was like, well, you know, the roles are reversed for once. It's usually me making that call. And, and I, and she's, you know, and she stopped sobbing. And I said, honey, I, I, I don't know what your soul came to experience. All I can say is I would miss you. I don't know if this is what you're supposed to do. I don't know. I'm not going to judge it. I I would just really miss you. And she stopped crying and that never happened. But to really genuinely look around instead of looking at people going, well, you have bad energy. That's why you're going, no, freaking don't judge them. Don't spiritually shame people. They don't you don't know why they're going through what they went through, why that accident happened. You don't know. Shut up. Hmm. Just just accept them for the moment and where they're at and how they're going through it. And, and 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 let that be okay. Because I believe every one of us came here with some sort of soul goal. And 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 I think the goal of our soul is to rebalance or experience something that that we decided to do and, and maybe we don't remember what that is, but okay. Let's just follow the big yes, because it'll lead us to those moments in which we can have that, <sighs> we did it, that freedom.
1: What mm-hmm. an example. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? Spiritual. But I'm, I, guess, I guess it depends on how you define it, Josh. I couldn't quote
0: something out of any book I've read, whether it was a Bible or, you know, a Bringers of the Dawn, you know, metaphysical books. But I've had genuine, first-hand experiences with Jesus and an angel (laughs) so tell me tell me more what tell me right right. so I'm uh, thank goodness we were dropped off at any freaking synagogue or church that would have us on Sundays I realize now that's because my mom and stepdad needed he was a drug dealer and they were doing their stuff i fine you know, we, ended, we got out of the house. So there's that. Right. <laughs> and and, and I, so I got this mixture of messages. And, and, but basically, as a child, I'm looking at the bottom line is uh, there's a force that's bigger than me. Um, it, it hears me when I say prayers. Um, and, and I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good little girl. Uh, now I remembered all those things mostly. Well, there was a particular time in which uh, sh- things weren't so good in life. And I really needed to know that there was there was something else there. And I'm laying in my bed in Florida. And, and, and it's, a, it's a hot night. There's no wind. And I decided to test the theory. I'm How like, old were you here? I would have been, I was 11. Okay. Yeah. And I said, uh, Jesus, if you exist, <clears throat> make the curtains blow. And I waited and the curtains blew. I said, oh, that's just a fluke. Do it again. Three times I did it. The curtains blew. And I was like, rightio. Well, about a year later, I was in the ocean and uh, it shouldn't have been. And, and some waves took me out and I was literally drowning. And I remembered that, you know, what happens is it, there's, there's life in the tunnel and the light. And, and all of that happened. I was 12. And I uh, was scared at first. And so for anybody who's ever been afraid of dying, don't be. Because honestly, what happens next is you pull away. You don't have the experience of your body anymore. It's really wonderful and comforting. It's really easy to do. And you don't even have to do anything. It's just what happens. And that's what was happening to me. So I went from struggling to get up from these waves and a face full of sand and salt water. I was drowning. And... um and, I, and, and the tunnel was there, and I saw my little 12-year-old light at my life, and, and I was like, oh, and it was all off to the right, and I was like moving towards this, this light, and I was so happy, and then all of a sudden, and somebody, now the beach was closed. This shouldn't have happened. There was a hurricane over Cuba. There was nobody at the beach but my brother, myself, and the lifeguard, and they were out of sight. Somebody pulled me up, took me to the shore, for all intents and purposes for the the tunnel, the light, the whole pulling out of your body, I should have needed resuscitation too, but I didn't. And they sat me down on the edge, right by the, on the shore and made sure I was okay. I coughed a little bit, surprisingly caught my breath. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And they said, okay. And they just walked down the beach and disappeared gone. And I, and that was when
1: I realized I almost died and got scared. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, wow. Um, I, I, I was going to ask you, um, I want to hear um, I, further, what do you believe happens when it's all over?
0: Um, I believe that energy transforms, transmutes into another, another level or, or uh, we don't, as my friend used to say, you drop the meat. <laughs> and our presence is still there. And, and I really believe that's the case. Um, My mother has proven it. I mean, she went on to study and become a medium, not a large, but a medium. (laughs) Yes. Get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So um, I've had uh, a lot of exposure to the presence of spirits after, after people pass away. Um, Heck over, over the holidays, uh, when I my dad died, I said, please leave me pennies. And, and it took him, two years. And I found pennies all over the house right around his birthday this year, which is New Year's Eve. And there were pennies everywhere and there never should have been. <laughs> they can, they, there's a lot that's going on that um, I know we're still here. I know we're mm. still around. I know it. I just know it.
1: Hmm. What, what's left for you? What do you have your eyes on going forward that hasn't been uh, manifested yet? I'm so excited about that. Thanks for asking. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, it's not a far reach f- for me to consider being on the Ellen show. Cause you know, I've been on Tyra and, and Steve Harvey and you know, those things were just meant to be. Well, this is the next step. Um, I want to have um, the, the midlife, my ass tour, uh, midlife. I'm, I'm just getting started. And it's, it's, it's me, a co-leader and eight women. And we're, and we're going to do a bucket list adventure tour. Love
1: it. Yeah. Wow.
0: And, uh, and we're going to send clips of it, of our adventures, because I want to I encourage them. Look, TikTok, babe, we don't know what we got left. Let's go do this. We'll, we'll make it no matter what it is. If anybody is proof of that, it's me come on, let's go. And, mm. and, and let's go do this bucketed list, whatever it is. And maybe each one of them will have their own idea of what we should do. And we're just going to go and we're going to have uh, like a road show, literally a documentary. Maybe it's the documentary I've always wanted to make. Mm. And, and, and I want to send clips to the Ellen show and say, hey, Ellen, we're over here. Look, we're hang line, whatever, whatever we're going to do. I don't care. So that using multimedia television the purpose of broadcasting a massive message of positivity, inspiration, and adventure spirits.
1: It's absolutely um, brilliant. Um, I'll, be, I, uh, I'll be on the front lines um, cheering that along the way. Thank you, Josh. The, the life you've led is, my goodness, magnificent in every way. How, how would you sum it up?
0: Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> it was it was the world turned upside down and full of possibility and and what would be the most fun next and how can i have more fun today than i ever thought possible finally became the truth it's a life of 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 it's a message really i hated that people said oh it's all made it's made you who you are it's like you know what can you imagine the advantage i would have had if i hadn't had the shit kicked out of me fuck give me a break but in the end when i really get to that place of Okay, we agreed to do this. Bravo, you guys. You did a great job. And so did I. Mm. Um, now, what can we do that would be fun and freeing and, and joyful and spread that, be that?
1: Which is, the, which is the message yes. that you're spreading here, right? Yes. 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 And if you were to give the listeners the next step, the next one piece of action, what, what can they do? What are we to do right now? You need to be aware of what where the stones are where where are the rocks in your
0: socks where are the what are the boulders on your shoulders through awareness that's your first step no matter what through awareness then acceptance and action comes change and unless you're willing to be aware of it and then accept it you can't change it and all you'll do is be a victim of it so get out your pen and paper write a piece of uh, i believe dot 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 and nobody else has to read it right whatever you think every single freaking thought i don't care what it is write it down when you write it down you get it out writing makes it real Hmm. and then you
1: can get rid of it i love it i will leave you with this final question alexis ray how would you like to be remembered (laughs) wow (laughs)
0: um you know i thought i'd be ready for that one josh Um, how would I like to be remembered as um, a a colorful character who who, uh, was born with a box cutter in her hand and learned how to use it later to
1: inspire others how to do that. So much artistic, creative, and loving brilliance in that as in you, Alexis, genuinely. Thank you. I love you. You're beautiful (laughs) inside and out. Thank Thank you for for showing up and opening up and sharing this tremendously impactful and helpful and stunning story of, of you and your journey. Pleasure to have you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you everybody for tuning in today, whether you're on the live broadcast or on Apple, Google, or Spotify in the native podcast form. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, let me know. Leave a review. I love reading what you have to say over there. We're going to do this again. Uh, if you got something out of this, take a step forward. Put something into the world and keep us posted. Um, we're going to do this again real soon. Until we do, thanks for tuning in. Go get them.